Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the membrane. Here we are, another week. I hope everyone's doing well. Weird place at the moment, isn't it, where we're at with this regarding the lockdown and, and the rules and what we are allowed and not allowed to do. Shops are now slowly reopening. Uh, people, I've seen people that are socially distancing and obeying the rules, wearing masks. I've seen other people seemingly not giving a shit and hugging and kissing and and, uh, and uh, yeah it's quite it's a, we just we just don't know do we it's, it's a strange old time i hope you're doing all right though i hope you are doing okay um it's a, it's a funny old time we'll get through it though as we always do as i always say you know we're very robust people and we have the insane in the membrane community to keep ourselves buoyed you know lift each other up um I was joined this week by uh, well, he's a, he's, a, he's been a colleague and a mate um, for a long time now, since I started comedy. Uh, Mr. Ian Stone, who's a fantastic comedian, uh, it's one of those. I, I think I mentioned it in the in the, in the episode when when I first started comedy. You saw, you saw the headline acts, and you were when you're starting out and you're doing your five minutes and your ten minutes trying to build up. You you know you you cutting your teeth. You're you're earning you learning learning your craft. You know and. You'd see people like Ian Stone, and those were the people that you kind of oh, you, those were the people that you aspired to be. You were like, oh yeah, one day I, I want to be that. I want to be headlining gigs, and you know the, the headliners when I started, they, kind of, they have an air about them. They're like they walk in and they go that that you know I want that that confidence in green rooms, and um, and Ian was one of those people, as I've said, and it, and it was, it's, it's been lovely as I've gone along on my, on my in my career. You know, spending more and more time with Ian, and you know, and he, he's become a mate. Um, and he's got a book out. He's got a book out called "To Be Someone," which is um, it's his relationship with uh, the band The Jam. Uh, and I don't know if any of you, many of you, are aware of The Jam. The Jam were sort of late seventies, uh, early eighties. They get lumped in with the punk thing, but they're not really. They were kind of around that era, but they weren't really a punk band. They're sort of like mod punk new wave kind of you know very great band I'm a massive fan um, and it's, the book you get the book it's a brilliant book it's about uh, Ian's relationship with the band you know they were part of his life you know he's, as, he, as he came of age you know they were they were the band you know everyone's got one of those bands and mine is Happy Mondays you know that was when I came of age and it's 
And that's the same with him with his book, and it's about his life, and it's it's about the, the times as well, that era, you know, what it was like back then. So it's a fascinating book, it's a brilliant read. He's a brilliant comedian, brilliant writer, so it's well worth your time. Um, and it was a real joy to have him on and have a proper chat. There's a, there's a, we, we, you'll see as it goes along uh, the relationship we have. He's a, we, we get on famously. It's a, really nice to talk to him. Because I haven't spoken to him in a while, you know, and it's, it was nice to have him on. So, uh, uh, but also, we've got some shout outs before we get into the episode. I keep forgetting to do this. I must get, I must get more organised. I apologise to uh, my wonderful, our, our wonderful Patreons. Uh, thank you for for supporting the the podcast. It's, we really appreciate it. Seriously, it, it's you. You're not wasting your money. It really, all the money goes back in to the uh, to the podcast. You know, we're not profiting from anything. We just want to keep. We want to keep bringing you the best we can with this podcast. So thank you for that. Thank you for everyone that's that's become a patron. Patron. Um, we've got uh, Andrew John Heath. Thank you, mate. Uh, well done, mate. Nice one. Uh, ben Hurst. Uh, cheers Ben thank you mate Carl Richard cheers really appreciate it mate David Harris thank you mate and thank you for keep popping up on the social medias I keep seeing your name there you're very supportive thank you mate it's really, it doesn't go unnoticed Ellie Freeman as well thank you mate again you're you're always there you're always I see you I see you thank you so much for and the chats that we have I appreciate that uh, John Keeley nice one mate Lee Brown again thank you mate always supportive always there there's some familiar names keep popping up it's always lovely to see and uh, we've got Lindsay as well Lindsay Chuk thank you Lindsay I really appreciate it there are some more names as well there's many of you so don't worry I'm going to give you a shout out you'll all get you'll all get a shout out I just want to say again thank you to everyone who's joined Patreon and supporting the podcast very very much appreciated so now we've got through all the waffle uh, let's get into it so without further ado it's Mr Ian Stone um, yeah, there's no big introduction here. We just get into it, mate. We just start. I, I heard, I heard. Listen to the one with Jason. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's, that's how we go. Um, funnily enough, talking about music, did you see what Facebook did? No, I didn't see what Facebook did. What Facebook did? They went through uh, and they decided. I mean, it was all meant. I see what they were trying to do. They were trying to get rid of all the accounts of people that they thought were right wing. So they got rid of a load of skinhead stuff and a load of... Um, there was a shop that sells skinhead and mod stuff. They deleted their account. Uh, even, But what they ended up doing, they, what they, they didn't really research what they were doing and they just assumed that all skinheads and anything connected to that is racist. Um, and they deleted uh, Neville Staples as well. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, 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 and it, yeah. I mean, the, that's the problem, isn't it? When you got people who don't really understand the culture. Exactly. I mean, skinhead yeah. culture is. We know about skinhead culture and how it's got a, it's a, it's got a, a mixed history, hasn't it? Let's say it has. Yeah. You know, but but the original skinheads, it was it was you know it was just the love of scar, right? And black and white people all loving the music. That's what it was about. Exactly. And, like uh, like like all most youth cultures, it was about unity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then it, and then, well, not that I particularly want to go on about the book that I've written, but the first <laughs> chapter is me going to a gig by Sham Sixty Nine. There um, you go. That's perfect. Uh, and um, it was the most violent, racist thing I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even close. And um, and as you can imagine, Jewish boys don't get oh, get invited to those things very often. But me and Paul Moss, my mate from school, had a ticket. So uh, a ticket. So we went along, and it was unbelievably violent. I mean, yeah, I, it was a riot, sort of disguised as a gig. 
Really? Fucking hell. How old were you then? Was that your first ever gig? No, no, I was 15. My first ever gig was Rock Against Racism. Uh, oh, right. Going from um, in London in 1978, and we marched from Trafalgar Square to um, Victoria Park in Hackney. Fucking and, hell. Uh, yeah, which is a fair walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah. joke I used to do was, <laughs> the joke I used to do was, like, it's miles. I mean, honestly, halfway through the march, I'm thinking, well, racism isn't that bad, is it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I used, it, to yeah, do, yeah. used to do that joke. You know, can we not get a That's cab it. against racism, right? <laughs> but, but um, yeah, that was the first one. That was the first, like, music thing I'd been to. And then I went, the first proper gig was at the Music Machine in... 1978, which is now Coco's. Well, actually, right now it's a burning hulk. But um, <laughs> yeah. at the time, it was Coco's, and it was a music machine back then. And I was, that was uh, December 78, first gig, the jam, that was. And that's where this, and that's where your love affair started? Basically, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So. I, uh, yeah, I, I was really lucky. My first band were The Damned in 86. So, because I'm a bit younger than you, not by much, but a little bit. Yeah. And so, yeah, so 86, I was 14. Yeah. And we went and saw The Damned in Hammersmith. Brilliant. And it Brilliant. was, and I'm so glad that that was my first gig and it wasn't something shit. Because the first album I bought was by Go West. Oh, I was so, talking about them today. Yeah. So I did a was, gig you know, with them. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Peter Cox and Richard Drummy. Well, I didn't know their names. Yeah. <laughs> but it was on uh, an agent that we both know that I won't name because it's not fair. But um, we, um, uh, he said, I've got a gig for you. And I went, all right. He goes, it's, it's not much money, but it's good exposure, right? I went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, honestly, it's on We Go West. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Sounds great. He goes, well, it's on the top deck of an open-top bus going around London. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I was at the back of the bus, and they had to turn round to look at me at the back, and it was very awkward. Oh. Gig. Oh, my God. And I didn't get a lot of laughs. In fact, the only laugh I got, as far as I remember, really, was when uh, I was doing this stuff and they were just looking at me like, what is going on? It was a warm night, so it wasn't uncomfortable. But And yeah. then this car pulled up, an open-top car pulled up, right next to the, the bus, playing very loud music. And I leaned over and over the side and I went, Oi, we're doing some quality telly here. Can you turn the music down? <laughs> and that got a laugh from the audience, but not from the, um, whatever, Vanessa or, you know, Victoria or Samantha, whatever her name is, who was right, the producer. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did a gig with Go West, yeah. Oh, mate. Well, do you know what? I mean them no disrespect. It was where I was at at the time. No, I, I understand I, you know. the point you're making. Richard. Yeah. The first I, single I ever bought was Mary Had a Little Lamb by Paul McCartney and Wings. There you go. So, I mean, I was 22. I probably should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> I was eight, all right? I was eight. <laughs> well, mine, was, mine was Shaking Steve's Green Door when I was, slightly, I was 10. Slightly more acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was still. I still remember the the disappointment on my dad's face, but it was. You know, you know, he brought me up. With, he brought me up with Dylan and the Stones yes. and all this cool stuff. Yes. Then I rock up and go, Dad, can I have this? But you know what? I'm proud of it. Fuck it. I'm proud of it. <laughs> and the adoption worked out all right. <laughs> yeah, they right. they love shaking Stevens. It's you're fine. Right, right, that's right. I've got a family who likes shaky. Well, you're in luck. <laughs> right. Music music's always been. A, I've said this before on here, but music's music has got me through so much and has helped me understand, get more of an understanding of the world, and made me, you know, especially in in, in like what's been happening lately, the last couple of weeks. I, I see a lot of people I grew up with all sharing right-wing propaganda and, and going mad because the statue got pulled down and yeah. 
And I'm like, I don't think I'm, I could have been that way if I had stayed with them. But I, I think I always had music and music taught me about diversity and oppression and, you know, do you think that sort of do, you, do you think though that those that those people you're talking about don't listen to music? No, I think they do, but I don't think they know. They don't. I you know I was really into it, so you kind of go. Oh, yeah, I was. You sort of you, you start investigating. You're like, well, who is this? Where did this come from? And then that leads you on to something else. And then it it go. And then you know I was lucky, like I say, I had the, I had the blues and I had Bob Dylan when I was growing up, and yeah. So I had that education. Where you go, well, that, these people were they were cotton pickers and they were this and they were that and. So I, I was lucky in that respect, but I didn't. I know. didn't have my the musical education I got at home. Well, my, my dad used to listen to a lot of sort of well things like Maria Lanza, right? Bloody hell. Yeah, like sort of Caruso. He, he was like Caruso, yeah. for a more modern generation, and he listened to a lot of musicals, but not like the Student Prince and things like that. Not the best sort of musicals, oh, know, which wow. I love now. But <laughs> yes. Yeah, but uh, I, I really only discovered a lot of other stuff. I mean, really, from the radio, and then John Peel was the one for me. Yes. John Peel's late night show, and that introduced me to a whole world of stuff. Because when I when I first heard the Jam, and then when I finally went to get get to see them, um, Paul Weller, you before gigs, he used to play loads of old soul music, so Wilson Pickett and right. you know Sam and Dave and stuff like that, and that's how I discovered that stuff. So, uh, you know, you, I don't know. I was always open to it, though. I think yeah. that's the point. I, I never, I, I just thought, what's this? I like this. Let's find out about this. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what it is. That you're open to it. I, I see the people I was talking about just now, the statue lovers, I, you know, they're, <laughs> they're all into, they're all into dance music. And you're like, that's, that's predominantly made by black artists. Yet they, they, they I see them sharing Tommy Robinson videos and, and I'm like, what? What is going on in your head? What? Where has all this hatred come from? I you can't know, even it begin just, to just, imagine. No, no. <laughs> no. Uh, bad week for slavers, though, wasn't it? That's good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is I always know. a good week, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were took because Jade's from Jade's from Bristol, and Jade spoke yeah. to her, and Jade spoke to her mum the other day and Jade's mum she said yeah people have been petitioning to get that statue taken down for years for years and for renaming years. Colston Hall as well that's it yeah 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 but they the never they never get to, you what the mayor is fucking the mayor useless. is fucking useless yeah it's I, I, I don't know it's, it's this week trying to argue with people and we're well, not argue just trying to keep calm and be level-headed about it all you know, it, it's, it, I don't know. Some people just, just the hatred's so in, embedded. Isn't it? Yeah, it, you know, yeah. I try not to communicate too much with those people if I can yeah. possibly help it. I mean, you grew up with some of them, and that yeah. maybe, and you still know some of them. But I, I mean, I, I've got one friend from primary school and one friend from secondary school, and most. Uh, uh, the rest of them I'm not really interested in, whatever their views are, mm. particularly. I just, I, you know, I lost touch with them and I didn't, I suppose there was a reason why. But I didn't grow up with people who sound like the ones you grew up with. No. So, well, um, they, yeah, they seem to, they seem to have become more right-wing as they've got old, they've gotten older. Doesn't that happen with everyone? Well, I used to think that was the case, but then I was like, well, maybe people just get tired of covering it up. Maybe it's just in there already. Yeah, and yeah, and, and that's why old people are just—they haven't got the strength to keep to keep covering it up. It's true, you give less of a shit as you get older, right? I mean, you yes. do. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But 
Yeah, maybe there is something in that. I don't know. I think you just get more scared. Not us, but people sometimes get more scared as they get older. And when yeah. they're scared, they might they tend to look for someone to blame for their fear. I think. Yes. And I, and and maybe that's what's going on. And if you were if you were that way inclined, anyway, maybe it just gets worse. Yeah. Maybe. Well, like, yeah. Well, I think, like you say, it's that it's fear, isn't it? It's it's they haven't. Yeah, they don't know what's going on, and it is yes, fear. Is they're exactly scared what of is. what's yeah, going yeah, on. They're yeah. scared of change. Yeah. They're scared of new things, and they just. I mean, I, look, not that I want to get into any sort of political discussion, but I felt the whole Brexit debate was about that. We want our country back. What they meant was a country of fifty years ago of of you know less yeah. less black people. That is, I'm sure is what they meant. But even if the, even the ones who aren't racist, they meant just something more familiar to them. Because yeah. I think they look around and they think everything's unfamiliar. You know, I've I was born in London. I grew up in London. I'm used to millions of people of all different colours walking around. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it like that. But I think there's still a, a large number of people who don't. And yeah. um, I think that's what it was about. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, as you've just said, they think back to a, a more innocent time. They go, oh, I want it back to, you know, 50 years ago. They go, yeah, yes, you were four. You were four what years old. I, yeah. I think back to my best Christmas was about 1977, 1978. And I got bought the $6 million man for Christmas. And it was the best Christmas I ever had. Wouldn't get you much now, though, would it? No, you know, no. Six, six million dollars. <laughs> you can have one arm. You got the arm for that, the barnic yeah. arm. What did he have? He had a barnic arm. He had, he, had, eye, he had eyes that you could see eyes. for miles. And right. He could run really fast, although they always made it slow in the television show, which is always <laughs> weird, wasn't it? <laughs> was he? It was, I did used to watch The Six Million Dollar Man. But I can't yeah. remember much of his power, to be honest with you. <laughs> it was six million quid. It didn't have, it didn't have a lot of Six million going. dollars. Yeah, it didn't get a lot. say, it went a long way back then. But um, <laughs> yeah, now it would be uh, a lot more. Well, that's just the admin. Six that million, is. isn't it? <laughs> just the right. forms to fill in. All the <laughs> yeah, different yeah. bits and pieces he got stuck on. <laughs> what happened to him in the first place that he needed all these things just out of interest? Did anyone say? Did he have I an accident know. or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was an astronaut, wasn't he? And it crashed. Is that right? I think, I think, yeah, the rocket crashed and then they dragged him out and they said, well, we can we can save him, but we'll have we to can, rebuild him. We can rebuild him. That's, that's it, right. yeah, yeah. So they use him as this experiment. And it would be, they'd have to get all the bits through Amazon because that's the only place that's open at the minute. <laughs> so imagine the fucking, imagine the packaging. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think your arms <laughs> arrived, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, no, it's just an eyeball. Just the no, box no. is really the box is really big. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. It's see, I need this is a nice conversation. I needed this. I was getting a bit bogged down in in, all the, in all the shit. Yeah, it all get it get. No, I wasn't getting caught up in arguments and things like that. But you're reading it and you let it get it's to you a little bit. And, yeah, depressing. there's no doubt. I mean, I've said I've, I spoke to a mate of mine, black mate of mine, yesterday. I said, listen, you can have all my white privilege if you want. Right, it's yours. I yeah. don't know what you're going to do with it. Enjoy it. You're, you're, a world is going to open up for you with my white privilege. Uh, I don't need it. I'm all right. Thank you very much. I've got the Jewish thing going on. That oh, yeah. Me, you know. Um, but, yeah, it has been. I, I, I don't know what you think, but I actually think maybe the penny might have dropped for some people this time. I'm hearing more conversations between white people about this stuff than I ever heard before. Yeah, true. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Do. And this is first protest yeah. march I've ever seen, which is not full of white middle class people, which is also which is also pleasing because honestly all the protest marches I've been on, I've been on a couple. Yeah. White middle class mm-hmm. people in the main. I don't hear many people who sound like us. No, not at all. Not at all. It was we we did it. Just we don't. went to we went to the one in South End. Because we were going to go into London and then we were like, but down here is a, there's an element of blue, a bit blue down here, a little bit right wing. And so we were like, well, that, what, it'd be better to stay here and do it. So we did it. It was a lovely turnout. Everyone was socially distant and it was all lovely. Um, and then we, but we all turned up. They all said, they said what they had to say. And then we all walked away again. And I don't know how, I don't know how beneficial it was, if I'm honest. I think... You know, it, it, you know, I what? Don't, you know maybe it's just we, showing know. a bit of solidarity. Yeah, it's difficult to know how much these things change anything, but it's just getting it into the public consciousness, isn't it? And yeah. I sort of feel that it is a bit more this time. I think you're right. I yeah. hope so, anyway. Yeah, me too. Mm. Me too. And it's, I mean, like you say, you've been on marches before, so you know what were they like? Was it? I suppose they're a bit more. There was. There, there seemed to be a lot more violence. In the in in marches before seventy eight, rock yeah. against racism was the first one I went on. And that was and and that was a violent the whole, but there was a lot more violence around back then. And and we 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 got on this march, um, and I remember walking through the East End, and there were skinheads doing Nazi salutes at us as we walked past. And I genuinely I remember thinking. Jeez, my granddad was here 40 years ago in yeah. Cable Street chucking bricks at Oswald Mosley, right? And he swears he was the one who chucked the brick that knocked him back into his car. But I think every <laughs> Jewish bloke who was on that march said that, right? But, um, and, and there they were doing these Nazi salutes. And I thought, I can't believe that 40 years on, we're still having to put up with that. And I'm sure yeah. the black people feel the same. They can't believe that all the years after the after what was... You know all the anti-racism stuff of the of the seventies and eighties. That it still goes on, but I don't know. I don't know whether they're effective. But that was a violent march. Yeah, that was. There yeah. was a lot of um, trouble along the way. But my mother yeah. let me go because, well, mainly because she didn't know where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, I'm just popping I just, out. I'm just going I'm just out the went, park. I'm going out. Yeah, <laughs> just going out. She's just yeah. happy to see the back of you going? Oh, is it? <laughs> I'm going to run the gauntlet of massive skinheads for about four miles and then go and listen to, um, who was on? Tom Robinson and... Um, oh, wow. Uh, X-Ray Specs. And uh, uh, there, there were some black artists, I think. Um, Steel Pulse, I think, were on as well. Yeah, right. So Bloody hell. Uh, oh, it was brilliant. It was, it, was a, like I say, it was the first live music thing I went to. It was, it was an anti-Nazi league thing, so it felt like a great thing to do. It was the first political thing I got involved in. And um, oh, it was great. I mean, it was yeah. the sound was terrible, but it was great. I remember going to the one. We went to the one in um, Crystal Palace in about '82 with uh, Frank Chicken. We were on. Do you remember them? Yeah, <laughs> I'm geeking with all... them as well. Yeah, have you? <laughs> yes, I have. I like yeah. those girls. They're nice. Oh, they're they were brilliant. Yeah. No, but they were brilliant. I remember it was uh, um, it was the first time I heard the word. It was it was beat apartheid, yeah. but I didn't know what apartheid meant. I just knew that it had the word beat on this badge, beat apartheid. Yeah. Uh, so I just wore it into school because I, I, I was into hip-hop on that. So I was like, it had a beat. I thought it was something to do with that. And I got in and then one of the teachers went, he goes, what's... He goes, do you know what that means? And I, and I, I remember going, nah. 
I don't. And I was all embarrassed. And then he explained to me what apartheid was. And I'm like, thank fuck for that. Thank yeah. fuck it wasn't something fucking, yeah. some right-wing shit. <laughs> I'm wandering around with that on. But, uh, yeah, so I remember that. Yeah, you're right. They did seem to be more of an air of violence. Sorry, my washing machine's just gone in a spin. That's you right. can hear that. Got to be done. I, I understand household chores don't stop just because you want to chat with your comedian mates for a couple of hours. No, I, I know, that. but producer Paul will be going mad in the background. I've told you about your bloody washing machine. Sorry, Paul. I, 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 do I you know what? what? I forgot all about it. it. It's been on ages. I thought it'd be done by now. I heard the spin earlier on. I thought I can probably get rid of that. No. Hey. You could pause it. Yeah, oh, it's got four minutes left. Right. Oh, it's in there now. It's part of the show, isn't it? Let's leave it. <laughs> Yeah. Joe, you know well, this is what people like. They like this, the realness of it all. Is that you what know? they like? Or you yeah. just, you just say that just because st- <laughs> you're not going to turn the washing machine off? I'm doing like a Darren Brown thing now. Like, you like this. You like the washing machine in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it did seem to be a lot more violence back then, especially in uh, football. There always seemed to be something kicking off. Oh, there was always yeah. something somewhere. Well, I mean, I used to travel away with Arsenal quite a bit. And it was, um, I mean, it was dangerous. I got knocked down by a police horse in Bristol or somewhere. I got yeah. chased back to a, back to Lime Street Station by a load of Scousers. Um, I mean, I, I had a sheepskin coat that they wanted to steal. Of course. And uh, I got chased. I lost about a stone in weight running three miles in a sheepskin <laughs> coat. I still got the coat, still downstairs. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I mean, it's sort of weird to wear it now, but I have still got it and it is <laughs> yeah. warm. On a very cold winter's day. Yeah, um, lovely. But it was, it was, it was fr- terrifying sometimes. But when you're in a mob of 600, you sort of feel like you'll probably be okay. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, I just like to point out when I said, of course, just then when they were trying to steal your jacket, I didn't, wasn't playing up to stereotypes of people <laughs> from Liverpool being thieves. What I meant was, it's a sheepskin <laughs> jacket back then that would have been, that would have been highly sought after. Is Fuck that what you meant? Hell. That's what exactly what I meant. Right. Hell. Okay. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. No. No. Well, you're you're absolutely right. It was nothing to do with them being from Liverpool. Nothing no. at all. No. I never said it was. I was no. just saying that's where it happened. <laughs> you know. but I I did. I didn't want to get you shot. Did. You did. <laughs> uh, oh, you gotta be so careful. I don't upset anyone. But you do have to be careful. Although, yeah. do you feel? I mean, I say that, but actually. I, mean, I don't know if I am careful. I just try and say what I think, and I hope that I'm a good enough person that most of the time, people, you know, don't yeah. misconstrue what I what I'm saying. I mean, I'm quite careful when I tweet, because, yeah. you know, that goes out in the public. Yeah. And and you have to you have to watch what you say. But I, I don't know. I mean, someone told me that Stephen Fry, on his computer he has he has a some sort of program that if it's past a certain time at night it it, it makes you do long division before you're allowed to go on social media <laughs> just to make sure you're not too pissed apparently <laughs> yeah i could do with some of that well, well like we well like we talked about the other week um i did it i was a bit pissed boris had just gone into hospital and i tweeted oh, yes. yeah and i got it i got it i didn't get across what i meant i said i'm struggling to give a shit about boris being ill and that's not what i meant because i don't wish ill on anybody regardless of politics i think i got we had this chat it's a, we did. it was a, it was the hypocrisy of people 
clapping for the NHS and clapping for Boris and and, it, and all that sort of thing. And yeah, and you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were one of the few people that actually got in touch with. Me. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but this is you got to be careful. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you I actually actually you reached out. Yeah. Oh no! Oh no! Of course, of course. Yeah. I, I saw it, and I uh, and I thought. Well, okay, let's see what sort of reaction that gets. And, um, and you did, you know, they turned on you. Because yeah, one has to be very, very careful. My friend, I don't think she'll mind me saying, Amy, my friend, she, when Ian Wright got a load of racist abuse, she sent him a message on Twitter saying, essentially saying to him, oh, you, you've got to try and concentrate on the positives, you know. And I totally understood what she meant, and I'm sure Wrighty <laughs> understood what she meant as well. Yeah. But a load of other people then piled in because, yeah. you know, I, I mean, to a certain extent, I get what they mean. If I got a load of abuse, anti-Semitic abuse, and my friend phoned me up and says, no, you have to concentrate on the positives, I'd think, well, no, actually, <laughs> I don't at the moment. No. I want to concentrate on the whatever anti-Semitic shit I've been getting. At yeah, exactly. some point, I will think about the positives, but not right now. But thank you for saying it, because you're a mate. But yeah. obviously, these people outside didn't realise that she was a mate and then piled in. It's not uh, pleasant. No, it's not at all. And you, because and then you get frustrated because you're like, I didn't. That's not what I meant. And then you can't explain <laughs> what you meant. And then a few, I had a, a few comics commented, and then I had a couple of people ring me up. They rang me up and I just went, Richie, I get it. I get what you meant, but you can't put that out there into the into the world. Did and you I mean, take it off in the end? Yeah, yeah, I delete. I still, I kind of argued. I was arguing my point a bit to people, yeah. And then I suddenly went, "What the fuck am I doing?" And I took it down. And then I tweeted. I went, "Yeah, I've taken it down. I get it. Listen, look, I don't know how I'm feeling. I'm, a, you know, it's all over the place. I'm a bit pissed. It's this that now. Peace and love to everybody. And then that was it." And that's but it, it was, yeah. yeah, it was that. But I, you know, I, I apologised and went, yeah, do you know, I get it, I get it. But also, but, by know. the way, also not to go too deep into that, but you didn't wish in on him. You just didn't give no. a shit about him. Yeah. Well, I actually don't think that's particularly bad. I don't no. really give a shit about any of the Conservative Party or most politicians. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't wish yeah. in on them, but I just don't care about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, when I'm, when. But, when, they, exactly, when they've been proven year after year not to give a single fuck about anybody. The Windrush, exactly about us. About and they're us. supposed to be there to represent us, and they don't. And that all comes out, and, it's, and then it all gets built up. You don't say anything. You get a bit pissed, and then it comes out in 240 stupid characters, <laughs> and then you get, you get, you get shot. Well, that'll teach you, won't it? Yeah, yeah, stuck my head up, didn't I? Don't I like, like tweet whack a mole. After nine o'clock at night. <laughs> or actually, I don't know what time you're starting drinking during lockdown. I go a bit oh. earlier now. I mean, it used to be, you know, six when the six o'clock news come on, I'd sort of look at Rose and go, I think it might be time for a little cheeky glass of wine. In fact, <laughs> my kids a couple of years ago started saying, Is it uh I say, what time is it? And say, is it one o'clock, Dad? It is wine o'clock, kids. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and we get stuck in. But you know, whatever time it is that you start, just yeah. to cope with this ridiculous futility of lockdown, um, you know, maybe leave the tw leave Twitter alone. Yeah. <laughs> after yeah, that, I, mean, <laughs> I know. You know. Especially, <laughs> You've learned your lesson. I, I fucking have. I have never again. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I don't really. I don't wish you and anybody. I've. You know. I. You I don't do. You? Uh, I know no, you don't. I've no. never heard you really say a bad word about anyone. No. I mean, no. I, I mean, I, that's genuine. And I, you know, we all like to slag people off from time to time. But yeah, of course. You're not, you're not really into. I've never really heard you do that. 
No, is, I feel... Quite, I'm quite impressed by that about you. <laughs> it's no, all I internal. Am. It's all internal. <laughs> well, you know what? Don't, don't, don't keep it all in, because that can't be good for you either. But, you know, um, you, you're very... You seem like a, like a nice person, Rich, if you know what I've I mean. Done, I I'm, do my best, yeah. Thanks, do. mate. That's all right. I, do you know what it is? Because if, if someone... If it's something that really warrants something to be said... I'll say it to them. I'll take them to one side and I go, yeah, you said that that other day when you said that thing. I wasn't happy about that. And it, and I, I'm better at doing that rather than letting it build up and then like cutting people off in some dark corner somewhere. Because then that doesn't make you feel good either. You feel, I feel, I don't feel, I feel dirty. If Do I'm you? Sat there. Yeah. It oh, makes you I feel, don't, I don't, you know. I don't mind. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Each to their own, mate. Each you're to their own. Person. Whatever gets that's you That's the point. Oh, yeah. I used to be a selfish bag of shit. I think that's Did what you? it is. Yeah. Right. I used to be, I used to be terrible. I was cheating on everybody and lying and stealing and being a bit of a prick. And then, you know, and then that wasn't making me happy because that's not who I am. And I don't, I went and had counselling to find out why I was being such a wanker. And it, and it worked. And so, and was I, there a, was there one moment, or was it like a like a constant? Was it Jade? Was it? Is that what? what it was it? Jade, as you can hear. Jade is shouting in the background. <laughs> She's come flying in from the kitchen. It was me. Well, it, was, you know it, it certainly was yes. partly her, but you know, it was. I mean, was there a was there a moment, or was it? Um, you know. I think it was. I think it was that. You know, it was my. I've said this before. It's the when my marriage broke down, and it was like, right, this is you. You fucked up another relationship with someone who was fucking great. What's wrong with you? I mean, you met India, a lovely India, person. India, yeah, I met her a couple of times. Yeah. It's lovely, and yeah. it, you know, she didn't need to be treated like that. Yet there I was doing it again. And when I met Jade, and we were friends, and then that morphed into where we're at now. And then she said, like, before this goes any further, you are sorting your shit out because I'll be fucked if I'm putting up with any shit you've just put everyone else through. And so that was the catalyst. I think those moments, I remember going to a mate's wedding and his missus made a speech. And it was a very funny speech. And then the end of it, she looked at him. She says, you better not turn out to be a twat. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a perfect thing, especially for the person it was. Um, because he certainly had that capacity once or twice. Yeah. And, and But you knew he didn't want to be that way. He just It was just the way he sometimes went. And she just sorted him right out. And yeah. and, and everyone, it was very funny because, I mean, it was a proper laugh of people who knew him and thought, <laughs> yeah, that's really, you, she's a good in this one for saying that's it. that. <laughs> oh, and that's what it took, you know, because I, I think back to all the relationships I've been in with some wonderful people and I treated them like absolute shit. You know, but I kept kidding myself. I was this lovely man because I did. I, I did like nice things, but what, my behaviour. Well, nice I, you know, things? well, I'd you know, I'd be a decent boyfriend, but you know, well, except I was, for the cheating. Except for the cheating, you know, and that's that's what I was doing. So on the surface, I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, let's go to B and Q. Oh yeah, let's go to the museum. But then I'd be texting and messaging other women, and it's like, well, you're not, are you? You're a no. tosspot if you're doing that. Yeah. So you know, it, it was. It cancels it all out. <laughs> is that, does it cancel it all out? Is it like Jimmy Savile, you know, <laughs> with the paedophilia, but also the philanthropy? That's it, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, similar yeah. sort of thing. Well, I mean, we could say that about the slave owners. I mean, you know, they said about old Edward, whatever his name was, Colston. Colston, yeah. Colston, he was a great th philanthropist. I saw Phil yeah. Farage on the telly saying he was a great philanthropist. The fact that he made his money out of slavery is, you know, exactly. unfortunate. Bra Bra <laughs> Brandon. I would say. Branding human beings with his with his name, 
So you knew that they were his slaves. I mean, have you seen have you seen um, uh, Twelve Years a Slave? I no, I, I couldn't bring myself to watch. Do you know, it. I went to see it. I had some gigs afterwards, and I went I went to see it, and I I was so upset by it. Mm. I went. I think I went to the comedy store. I think I was round the corner from the. And I went to the comedy store and I had about three double vodkas just to sort of. Wow. I don't know, just to clear me head a bit, if you know what yeah. I mean. And I was sort of essentially apologising to black people for the next six months. But that was. Going, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, you know, not me personally. You know, no. but but the thing is, we never did it at school. We never did any slavery at school. No, we we sort of touched upon it, and that was it. We we didn't really we. British people were never portrayed as the bad guys in anything we learned. You know, it was all, oh, we went to this country and we discovered this. Never talked about the indigenous people that were already there. No. It was no. always about, I mean, oh, you know. We didn't. We didn't. I mean, we had, we had the Jews in Egypt. So we sort of were, we concentrated on our suffering rather than anybody else's. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. But see, that's it. So, you, so you, know, I, you know, you're more aware of oppression and suffering than, than most people you know, being oh, Jewish. My, my, so. I think, listen, right now in lockdown, right, I've had no, I've got no comedy and no football. I think I've suffered worse than anyone in the last couple of months. <laughs> Am I aware of more suffering? I haven't suffered a huge amount. I mean, I've had a few, no. I've had bits of stick. Do you remember that stick I got last year? Yeah, I do. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was doing some bit of stuff, when I used to, I used to bend down and pick, pick a, an imaginary peanut out of the imaginary hands of my imaginary dying friend. That's and it. as I used to do it, somebody would go, Somebody went typical Jew. Yeah, and that was um, that was going to be my Edinburgh show this year, by the way. But obviously that never happened. Um, but yeah, no, I've had some stick. Of course, I've had I've had loads of abuse. Yeah, you know. But we, I we mean, talked. Yeah, you know, go on. No, I mean in the um, in the book, I talk about being in school and kids used to come up to our school every lunchtime and do Nazi salutes outside the school gates. Fucking hell! Every lunchtime, every well, lunchtime, like it was in the curriculum or something. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, they, yeah, it was amazing, amazing that it went on, and amazing that, that the teachers, most of the teachers, were too shit scared of these thugs to do anything. Yeah. Um, they were but massive that was fights every day. Well, like we talked about earlier, that about the youth cultures being hijacked by right wing people, like the skinheads, and you know they that the National Front took that on as their their uniform, and and. It's yeah. It's there's all. It, I I I even thought about ten years ago, thinking, oh, racism seems to have died down a little bit, and then it sort of came flooding back. And I'm like, oh no, it hasn't gone away. It just went elsewhere. It got kind of, it hid away for a little while. Well, I know? think those things. I think those things get buried a little bit. Mm. You know, I mean, when when the England football team went to uh, the World Cup in Russia, it was the most. It was it was the the nicest bunch of lads, if you like. We got to know them a little bit before the tournament, and they were a very multicultural, multiracial lot. For, you know, from all over, all English boys, but Nigeria. Delhi Ali had Nigerian parents or grandparents. Raheem Sterling's family came from the Caribbean. They were from all over. I gen I have this theory that if Gareth Southgate was England manager two years before, we wouldn't have voted Brexit. I genuinely yeah, right. think that. I think that that you need that sort of unifying stuff. Yeah. And I think that was a moment when I, I think the country felt, England anyway, felt fairly unified. Yeah. But I don't think it's, it doesn't happen very often now. And I think when, no. when things get fractured and polarised, that's when people start to fight their own corner and the racism and the, uh, and the, uh, the nastiness comes out, I yeah. think.
No, you're right. It's funny. It's power. It is powerful, isn't it? Football. I mean, I, I'm not. As we've talked many times before, I'm. You know, I don't follow it, but I can see the power of it, and that you know, it's at the core of our society. Football is everything to to the majority of people, and it's. Well, it's a big. Uh, it's a, listen, I mean, I, I was brought up with it. My dad yeah. was, you know, useless in almost every respect, but <laughs> he did take me to football, and. Um, and it, and I got I fell in love with it, and I still, you know, these last few months, I'm not even joking. It's been hard not having yeah. regular football on the <laughs> on. A, it really has used us, and plus the fact that I spend quite a lot of my life talking about it for various podcasts and telly shows, yeah. what have you. But yeah, I I think at its best, you you, you know you it, you know what it's nice when when you go to a big game, and I quite like that idea of being part of a mass crowd. Do you know, yeah, being, it's the subjugation of the self, right? Yes, and I, and I, I quite <laughs> like, I quite like that feeling. It's a bit, it's like being at a music festival. I went to Glastonbury last year. Did were you there last year? No, no. I went to Glastonbury last year. Had the time of my life. I took my eldest son Elliot. We spent four days there, and when you're standing in a field watching Kylie Minogue, right? <laughs> I mean, the songs, <laughs> bless her. Most of the songs are insipid bollocks, aren't they? Let's yeah, be fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. But. When you're at this 150,000 people there and it's sunny and you've had a couple and you think I I I am I've, I'm as happy as I've ever been. It's lovely, isn't yeah. it? It's a lovely uh, feeling. The, that the, it, that's it, that's what it is, is it's that sense of being amongst that connection with other people, which is why this lockdown has been so hard on a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. Is that we're all we're all separated up even though we're in like you know Jade and I and we've got we've got another comedian Paul Sweeney staying with us and but even then, you kind of go, oh, I need to be connected to someone else. I'm going to kill these we're two in a minute. Social. We're social yeah. animals. Yeah. We are so especially us. If you think about our jobs and the number of people that we know. Yeah. You know. I mean, I was, yeah, exactly, I mean, yeah. I did the book. I did the book through crowdfunding, right? You you gave me some money. So did 485 other people, right? That's it. And quite a lot of comedians. Um, we, we, we're, in, we, we're in a very sociable profession. Yes, and 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 this last few months, as much as I've enjoyed the zoo, the Zoom calls with mates and and that's all very nice, there is nothing like hanging out with people for a couple of hours. You know, yeah. me and you, we don't see see each other that much, but when we do, it's great. We where were yeah. we were where were we? That, Nottingham, the other, Nottingham, was it Nottingham. last time? Yeah, we got a lovely time. Bit, that's right. We got slightly pissed. In the yeah. hotel and just That's hung it. out for a few hours, and and I'm missing that terribly. I'm, yeah. I mean, terribly, and I think we all feel the same way. And I'm sure the wider public feel the same way. They go and meet their mates on a weekend. It's um, it's tough. This it is tough. Yeah, there is a I mean, there is. Did it, go on. I'm I'm keeping it together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's been a close run thing a few times. I'll be honest with you. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. We're looking for a sponsor to help get this brilliant conversation to an even bigger audience. Sponsoring the show as well as a promotional trailer means that your message and our message will be inserted into some of Acast's biggest podcast titles. Get on board and partner with Insane in the Membrane. Go to pauldaniels.tv for more information. It was a few weeks ago and I was just angry for no reason whatsoever. Everything, no reason. Everything, everything was fine. It's like, I was like, you know, you kind of go, I get it, all the gigs are gone. But I've got a, you know, this is like the podcast is happening and something else is going on and it's all good and fine. But this rage within me and I just, I had to go back to bed for a bit. I just go, right, I don't want to take it out on people I love. I'll get out of the way. But yeah, it's a funny, I do miss that. But there is a sense of community with us, with us lot. I've had... I remember someone saying, like, again, going back to slagging people off, and we were talking about like who are the who are the pricks in the industry, and I was like, well, most people are all right. We can all be pricks at times. Yeah, most comedians are great. I like yeah. a lot of comedians. They're yeah. some very very good mates that yeah. we've all got from the comedy yeah. circuit. Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah, go on. No, I, I I just there's not many I don't like. No, there's, there's, I can count on one hand the ones I'd rather not be in a green room with. But most people, I'm, I'm fine. I look forward to seeing most people. And yeah. and I think when and when other comics have, have other projects that are like, you know, like you, you've come on here, which I'm very appreciative of, and, you know, you've had a book out, and other people, other comics have had books out, and we all get behind it, and we all, we all, we all bung a few quid into it, and we go, yeah, and we buy it, or we buy it when it comes out. You know, we don't get freebies. We go, oh, all right, I'll go and buy that. And because, because support, you, know. you buy into the idea, whatever the idea is, and you buy into the idea of the comp. You think, oh yeah, that person doing that is a good fit. Like yeah. I've got the drawings I've got in this book are by Phil Jupiter's, right? Brilliant. And Phil, Phil, he's not retired, but he doesn't do a lot. But he liked the sound of what I was doing. And so he said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be involved. And I paid him to do it, Yeah, you know. Um, but he just said to me, I, I went up to Scotland. I met him for, for dinner. And uh, he said to me, um, no, when, as soon as you told me, I thought, yeah, I'd like to be involved in that because it sounds exactly the right project. So it's, <laughs> that, it's that having faith in, in, in what all of us can do. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, I think you know I'm I'm genuinely touched by the number of people who've helped me to to put this together, and I feel the same way about all the little little projects I've done. I'm always yeah. I'm always slightly amazed when I phone up someone. I go, "Do you want to do the thing?" And they go, uh, "Yeah, all right." You think, yeah. "Really? What for me? <laughs> I'm just a little prick who's doing really all right." Then, and and you know, you saying to me, "I'll oh, thank you for doing it." Never even occurred to me not to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Cause, it. You know, well, it's funny because you know when I when you start off in comedy, and you do you start gigging and you and you're looking at the people above you or people have been going a little bit longer and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get to that. I'd love to get to that point. When I get to that point, and it's people like yourself that you've admired for many years, and you go, yeah, yeah. So then, and then so sitting down with you, 
and going, look, I'm doing a podcast. I'd love to have you on. And you didn't even miss a beat. You went, yeah, of course. And I, I, and I went, fucking hell. That's... So then I started going back going, fuck, do you remember when you did that shitty gig, Rich? And you were like, oh, I can't wait till I get to do 10 minutes instead of five. And now... I thought you, yeah. I thought you were going to no, say... That... I, start, I thought you were going to say, I started going back and thinking, well, if I can get him, I can probably get someone else, <laughs> someone else even better. Right. <laughs> I'm going backwards. I got Badil first. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, I'm always a second Jew. I'll take that. I'll take that. You haven't had Jameson, though, have you? No, not yet. Not yet. All right. All right. He's I'll coming. take that. Second Jew. Yeah. <laughs> what the? F- well, nothing I can do about that. Badil, I love it. Listen, you know, I've known Dave since I was four. I was to say you went to school with him, didn't you? I went to primary school with. I was I was in the same class as his brother, and the year uh, above we were the year above Dave, and yeah. um, I used I spent a good majority of my childhood round at his house, really. Really? Um, yeah, Colin and Sarah were like surrogate parents. I mean, you'll see how toxic it was in my house if you read the book, and um, yeah, yeah. and and it was pretty horrible, and so I didn't really want to be there that much, and so I. I went, the Bedeals were, were much more, it was much calmer, really. And uh, so I used to spend a lot of time around there. Um, yeah, right. So I still see, a... I mean, I see Ivor, uh, Dave's brother, and uh, and I speak to Dan sometimes, who's the other brother. And yeah. I see Dave, and I, I've watched all of Dave's um, live shows. I think they're great. I mean, I think yeah. they're absolutely brilliant. I really do. And the last one about his parents, obviously, I knew some of the stories because I was there. Oh, but shit, yeah. It was... I thought it was fantastic, you know. Um, and that was that was that how you? I mean, probably in the book, I imagine, but that's how you coped with it, bit shit. You, that was your way of coping with it was by just getting out of the house, music. Well, uh, early on was was getting out. So when I'm primary school, it's it's uh, it's just getting going over to the Bedeals and hanging out there for as long as I possibly could. Yeah. Then I get to secondary school. Football is a big thing, so going to the Arsenal whenever I can. Traveling all over the country, watching them. And then the music, um, getting into the jam when I was, you know, 13, 14, and then going to gigs once I was yeah. old enough to do so. Um, essentially, I'm just looking for stuff where I don't have to be at home. But even yeah. when I was at home, I'm playing music and I'm in my room and I'm, you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm listening to music a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it was the same with me. My, I mean, there was, my mum and dad are great. I love my mum and dad. and But there seemed to be a lot of tension when I was a kid. And so... Yeah, when I discovered music and going out and bands, it was oh, that was it was it. Was, I just felt so energized that there was this whole this whole world out there, and I felt going to gigs that that just standing there listening to them like set the gear up, like you hear them like doing the drums and the and the music and the people two, and the two. shit. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love all yeah. that. I standing, absolutely love all that. I love it. Standing in Brixton Academy or. Uh, what is now the forum or it used to be the town and country club just be stood there and I just never wanted to go home because it just felt no. I used to you know in Brixton Academy they got them like it's like that Italian sort of architecture either side of the stage haven't they yeah. that kind of I always imagined what it'd be like to live in that <laughs> and, then, and then one day <laughs> I, I, I got to go backstage and I saw what it was and I'm like oh you couldn't live in this <laughs> Well, no. Was it no. <laughs> was it your favourite venue that one? Brixton was. I think Brixton was the one. It was the biggest one. I like because you could still see everything. It wasn't like the stadiums. Like I hated going to see stadium gigs, but I think Brixton was the biggest one where you still felt like you were in an intimate setting. Yeah, you know. I mean, I was the rainbow for me. 
Oh, you, the, you were the there. Oh. I loved, loved the rainbow so much. I mean, it's now, it's the UK GC. It's like a Christian gathering place, right? right. And um, uh, in fact, I do, Al Davis, Alan, you, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. big mate of mine. I got a football with him. And he said he was walking down um, Holloway Road and somebody gave him a leaflet for um, for what used to be the rainbow. No. And he's, Alan's looking at him like, what, what, what do you mean? What, I don't want to go here. And he goes, it's, it's got youth. It's got like really good youth facilities. I guess they thought Alan had young, like kids who might want to go. And yeah. Alan said, you know, it had really good youth facilities when I was growing up. When I was growing up. And those youth facilities were every, almost every band in the world played there. Yeah. And it was a perfect, vet. I loved it. I spent so much of my life. That's where I saw Sham 69 at that right. gig. Sham's last stand at the uh, at the Rainbow Theatre. So you were aware of punk then? You were, I mean, you were a bit. You would have been I, a bit too young for it, but no, no. Punk, yeah. When I mean, when when New Rose came out, I mean, you were talking about the Damned. I mm. remember hearing New Rose in '76 because John Peel played it, yeah. and I was completely blown away by it. I loved, I just love that sort of shout of his, you know, when it yeah. starts. Yeah, oh, and God, then yeah. and then. Um, and then I used to listen to John Peel all the time and I heard and I heard the jam and my mate Simon had been going on about the jam for a while and then I, and then they played in the city on there and I was I was gone that was yeah. me gone but I mean I listened to uh, the police the police early on were re- sort of a punk band really when Yeah they, started, they were very they early fall yeah Fall out and and what have you That's it. those first few singles um so I was into a UK subs and oh. 999 and all. I saw all of them. Oh, yeah, um, fucking hell, you saw the subs. I Mate. did see. Well, Charlie oh. Harper. I, well, weirdly enough, uh, it's weird how this is all about that night. I believe that on the same night that Sham's Last Stand happened, the UK subs were playing at the, um, the Michael Sobel Centre, which is about a 10-minute walk from the Rainbow. Right. So there were all these punks and all these skinheads and there'd been big football matches in London. So basically everyone who wanted a fight was out in Finsbury <laughs> Park that night. Fuck and it all up. even except the only people who weren't out there were the police, because they must have been shit scared of the whole evening. They they knew better <laughs> than to go out. And um yeah, no, I, I saw the UK subs a few times. I, you know, I did a gig with nine 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 once at Nottingham, Nottingham somewhere. I don't even know how the hell I got the gig, but I walk Fuck out and there's about two hundred punks and they all sat on the floor and listened to me. Fuck <laughs> and then hell. I introduced, then I introduced nine nine nine, and they did Homicide, which is one of my favourite songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a banger. I tell you what, that's you did well there because I saw, I saw Simon Day supporting the the. Yeah. And he was doing to, he was doing Tommy Cockles. <laughs> and he was he was in the middle of doing this anecdote about Howard Jones, and the whole place is just calling him a cunt. It's just I felt so sorry for him. This is before yeah. I, I even thought ever about being a comedian. This is way before. But I just remember standing going, "Fuck me, just walk off, mate. This is brutal." But he, you know, he he, he, did, he, did, he did what he could. No, so it's not for easy. you to get him to listen. I mean, it was funny because when I spoke to Jupiter about doing these drawings, he said to me, "He goes, oh, I know well." Uh, I know Weller, and and when when I ended up when when Paul Weller ended up phoning me after after he'd read the book to tell me how much wow. he liked it, he goes he goes oh you got Porky to illustrate it because he knew Phil oh, yeah. as Porky the poet because because <laughs> Phil used to open for the Style Council, so of course he did yes it's all it's all very interconnected you know yeah. the the our scenes but um, yeah no I loved I listen we've been talking about this today live music was. That was like one of my two escapes. Yeah. You know, football was the other one.
Yeah. Um, but both but of the, those, I haven't, like I say, I was at Glastonbury last year and I just it was one of the best three, four days I've ever had. It was just yeah. glorious. And the oh. weather helped. The weather oh, of really Of course, helped. yeah, it was, it was red hot, wasn't it, last year? Did I tell you the best thing I saw there, though? The best thing I saw was, <laughs> was walking over a bridge and there's a stream, right? And in the stream is a boat with a, a Dolly Parton and a Kenny Rogers impersonators <laughs> lip-syncing islands in the stream in a stream, right? <laughs> and there's about a hundred of us watching them and singing along because it's a lovely song. And at the end of the song, they pulled the boat under the bridge and we waved goodbye. Right? And they waved goodbye we walked off going, how brilliant was that? It was see, just hilarious. See, it's moments like that that that's... that's that's why I love going to festivals. That's why I love going to gigs because there's always something, just that sense of being with other people, we experience that, that thing. Even yeah. though you're like, I remember being there at Glastonbury 2002. I was in a new relationship, so I'm all out to impress. And I'm like, I said, you decide where, we, where, where we're going to go. <laughs> right? She did that went, go well, did it? Oh, God. <laughs> she said, let's go and see Nelly Furtado. I'm yeah. like, all right, all right then. So we were stood watching Nelly Furtado as Queens of the Stone Age with Dave Grohl on drums were in the other field. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, fucking hell. And we, were, and we were with a mate of mine. He's a lovely guy, but he didn't drink and he didn't do any drugs and things like that. So we're all sober at Glastonbury. It, well, was, it was quite a thing. weird because weird. Yeah. Because one of the things that occurred to me last year, I was wandering about and I was, you know, I'd imbibed, let's say. Yeah. And because um, um, there was, by the way, just as you leave the bit where the cabaret performers uh, can can hang out, the backstage bit, there's a place that sells cocktails. Yeah, so, nice. Uh, and, I, and on the Thursday night, my son, who is a dancer, as is your son, right? He is, yeah. Um, my son is a dancer and he, and he said, let's go and see this salsa band that are on. Or Latin, right? I went, yeah, yeah. sure. I had a couple of uh, pina coladas <laughs> as I left. <laughs> and I'm dancing away because it's hard not to dance away to that. And he goes to me, what do you think of this stuff? And I said, um, I said, I feel like I'm sort of shaking my ass suggestively at the people behind me. But <laughs> I, I don't mind. And I, hopefully they don't mind as well. And I sort of spent the entire four days just slightly out of it. And I thought I was wanted about thinking, I think everyone is the same here. Yes. Except for you and your... Girlfriend at the time, and it your was, mate. Yeah, it was. It was. A, yeah, it was my first Glastonbury, and I just and I just remember walking around going, I can't wait to come back here, and get absolutely wankered <laughs> and go and see the bands uh, I like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I but I made that. up. I made up for it. I made. I ended up working for a t-shirt firm, and uh, I've heard this. Like, you told yeah, me this. Yeah, yeah, just getting bollocks, absolutely bollocks, and watching all sorts of things. I think I had a conversation with Bez. But I don't know if that was because I was so <laughs> off my head. I just imagined it. I don't know. To this day, probably not. But right, who fucking knows. But I, I but yeah, because it was so tense, a bit tense when I was a kid. Those, the bat, you know, music was my escape. You know, and I, I used to go to football actually. I used to go to Arsenal. I used to go to, the, I used to, go to Highbury. Right. Because all, all my mates were Gooners, and I wasn't particularly bothered about the game. I just liked being with my mates and singing the songs and joining in and. It's fun. It's nice, yeah. as I said to you. It's nice to be part of a big crowd, making a lot of noise. Yeah. I remember once Arsenal won a game. They were losing 2-0. And they scored three goals in the last 15 minutes and won the game, 3-2. And hell. I came home 
and uh, Rosie said, how was it? And obviously I looked quite excited. And I, and I said to her, oh, we, we were brilliant. We won. We won. And the crowd, we made a massive difference, right? And the look of pity and, and <laughs> disgust on her face was just fantastic. Anyway, later on in the evening, I watched the highlights, obviously. Of course. Because uh, it's been four hours since I've seen it. I thought I've got to watch it again. And Martin <laughs> Keown, who scored two goals in the game, which was unusual for him, uh, they interviewed him after the game and he looked excited as, and he, uh, as well. He said, well, Martin, what do you make of that? And he goes, it was the crowd that did it. Right? I turned to Rosie and I went, see? Right? <laughs> and honestly, it was, I, I can still see her face looking at me now. Going, Shut up, you idiot. It was great. But yeah, I do, I do like that feeling. I do. And by yeah. the way, what I was going to say to you, I'm sure that Bez has had a number of conversations where he can't remember what happened yeah, as yeah. well. So <laughs> it's not just you. No, that's very true. That's true. Although I did, I had a, um, Howard Marks came on the stall and uh, I got into a chat with him and I said to him, I said, oh, my dad, my dad was um, customs and excise when I, uh, you know, when I was a kid. <laughs> and he went, he goes, ring your father. <laughs> so I end up ringing my dad and I'm like, dad, I've got... Um, I've got Howard Marks here. And he went, oh, have you? He goes, he goes at least someone's got him. And so I go, <laughs> so, it, so Howard takes the phone off me and he goes, I just wanted to speak to you in a, in less, in a less formal situation. And I was like, they had this oh, lovely fantastic. chat. And, he go, and I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't been at that festival amongst no. all the people. And, you know, those moments are so special. You know, and it helped. And it helped. It helped with all the teenage angst and all the shit I hadn't dealt with when I was younger. And you know, those those they stop you hurting yourself. You know, and I, it's important. And I, I I don't know. What's your has your son taken on your sort of musical tastes? My well, I got two. I got two boys. Right, yeah. uh, the um the the youngest one a bit more so. Actually, he's more like a mini me. He likes the football when we go together, and he's and he's a bit more into four blokes with guitars making a lot of yeah. noise, right? Which is what I like. Um, whereas my eldest, he's a bit more like his mum. He has a more eclectic, you know, mix. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was interesting, actually. When they were young, I used to spend ages, all the time going, hey, listen to this, listen to this. What about this? You should listen to this. <laughs> and it got a bit much for them, to be honest. And I can't right. blame them for that. And then I sort of left it for a while. And then I remember one time, I can't remember how long ago, this is a while ago, one of my kids comes to me, he goes, Dad, do you know a band called The Kinks? Right, yeah. <laughs> I went, yeah, I do. Have we got any? I said, we got Spotify, mate. We've got every Kinks got song on. ever written. <laughs> They're all on there. And we started listening, and that was lovely. That was a yeah. lovely moment when he came to me. Um, so I tried, do you know what? I mean, there's obviously as a parent, you 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 mess up sometimes, and you you try and get it right. But if I if I went through it again, I wouldn't do much different. But I wouldn't push the music on them quite as hard. I'd let no. them discover stuff, you know, because yeah, yeah. that's sort of how I. That's what happened with me. So I'd I'd hear like I remember. Um, actually, I think I took this is something I did talk about in the book. The fact that I didn't know that David Watts. Was uh, was a was not a jam song. Was a yeah. Was a I didn't know that. Song. Yeah, that's yeah, it. It's a song yeah. by Ray Davis because I got the record and it says Ray Davis on it, written by Ray Davis. And I thought, who's Ray Davis? And then I'm discovering the Kinks at that point. Yeah. And then I'm listening to all that stuff and going, oh, because I'd heard Lola, I think, and maybe one or two others, but I hadn't put two and two together. And then you, like I say, you discover all the old soul music. 
Yeah. You make those connections. And I think it's nice to make them without your parents telling yes. you what to do. Yeah, it absolutely. it becomes more cool if you've discovered it yourself. Yeah. Well, I did it with my lad. The same thing. My, when my youngest texted me and he said, Dad, have you, have you, have you heard of Led Zeppelin? <laughs> and, I, and I didn't want to turn around and go, mate, have I heard of Led Zeppelin? Let me tell you the stories. I just went, oh, no, I'll, just, I'll check him out. Because he was only, he must have been... 10 or 11 so he was only a oh, kid did I didn't want to I didn't want to upset him so I just went See, oh, I'll check I'll check him out I'll check him out you're a nice float I told you you're a nice guy because I'd have gone of course Led Zeppelin let me <laughs> play you the B-side from the fourth album <laughs> see what you think of this eh? this is actually a Japanese version that they came up with you wouldn't have heard this before son special editions only 200 copies <laughs> where have I'd you gone to Tokyo and get this <laughs> don't leave yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, yeah. weirdly enough, I remember, I don't know when this, when this was, my kids were playing Rizzle Kicks, right? Rizzle oh, yeah. Kicks. I quite yeah. liked them for a while. Yeah. And they had a song called Let's Skip to the Good Bit, as if you know that song. No, I don't know it. Well, the truth is, Let's Skip to the Good Bit is, because they played it to me and I went, oh, I remember the original, because the original is the same tune as uh, You're Unbelievable by, is it EMF, is it? EMF, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Who, I went, who, oh, we, I remember it, yeah. I remember the original, and they didn't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, yeah, my lads get a bit annoyed when they're they're playing me some stuff, and they'll go, "Yeah, that's that's um, yeah, that's a sample from this." Yes, and yeah. they're like, "So, yeah, all right." <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. I know. Nah, they'll find they're, they're on their own. They're on their own journey, aren't they? They'll, you know, they yeah. they'll get they'll get there in the end. And sure. and and it's nice to let them have their own journey. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm yeah a little bit less hands-on now well i would yeah. say they're they're you know 18 and 21 i'm little i've got you know blokes i'm, I'm my kids are blokes now yeah, my son said more. to me the other day um he goes dad i don't know about you but three pints for me that's the sweet spot <laughs> <laughs> and i thought who the fuck are you who are you i don't even you're i remember you as a baby you're like a bloke now who's going <laughs> Three pints is a sweat. That's more than I can drink. Three. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> What's happened? Well, anyway. I remember when well, my lads, I did say to them, I said, my my youngest, when he turned 18, I said, well, should we go out? Should we go and have a, go and, just go and get pissed and have a laugh? And he went, nah, I don't really want to go, Dad. I'm like, oh, what? You know, it's all right. I don't, you know, he's, nah. he goes, I don't really want to go with you. And I went, what do you mean? Because once when he was little, I'd come in pissed and I'd woke him up mucking around. And I was bouncing on his bed, and I was making, I was going, "Hey, come on, it's hey," like mucking around. <laughs> and, and I pushed him through the slats of the bed, so the whole mattress has gone through. I can't blame him. Scarred him for life, and I didn't yeah. realise. Well, that's on you, that one. Yeah, exactly. Oh. So, they, so his bits like that. I go, oh God, I was. Ugh. Well, so, yeah, you know, but I wasn't. It wasn't malicious. I was just pissed. What's done is done, um, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you forward. don't do that with yeah. your kids anymore. What you do now is send out awful tweets about Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, so you say I'm a nice bloke, but it comes out in <laughs> snidey ways. If only your kids let you bounce on the bed, you wouldn't have got all that stick on Twitter, would you? Exactly. I blame the kids. Fucking yeah. kids. Yeah. Uh, so your when is your book coming out? It's, you've got you've got your copy now. I'm just I'm holding it. It's really weird. It comes out on the 25th of June. Um, this year, it's been. Yeah. It's taken me a while, but it's been a couple couple of years, isn't it? It's been. It's actually three years since we first had the idea. Or I say we. Rosie had the idea, yeah. and um, and I decided, okay, I'll go along with it. Um, yeah, it's coming out on the twenty fifth of June. It's called "To Be Someone," and it's um, 
It's a sort of part autobiography about yeah. growing up in London, North London in the 70s, part social history about what, what it was like back then, and uh, part love letter to Paul Weller and the Jam. Brilliant. And um, there's a very funny quote on the front cover. Paul Weller phoned me up. He says, I really like this book. I'd forgotten how shit it was in the 70s. <laughs> and, uh, and he said that to me on the phone. I went, can I use that as a quote on the front cover? And he went, yeah, of course you can. Brilliant. And um, uh, I ended up having a bit of dinner with him after that. Uh, it was very, uh, very strange and surreal. Yeah, but um, he really liked it. And I hope other people do. It's Hopefully it's funny. And cartoons and illustrations by Phil Jupiter's words by me. Basically. I can't wait. I can't wait to get hold of it. It's going to be. I think a lot of people of our our age will will relate to it. Like you say, it's not just about the the, the jam. It's about the, the you know the, the world around it, which is I think we'll all relate to. Well, I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope so. so. I put. I mean, you know what it's like. If uh, I tell you what it is, right? When you start a project, whether it's an Edinburgh show or whatever it is, you you have an idea of what you want to do, and and you try and realise the project, right? Yeah. And I, 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 looking at it now, I sort of feel like I have, like I've done what I wanted to do. So now if people like it or don't like it, well, at least it was what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm um, yeah, I'm allowing myself, a, I might have a, a little drink later on. <laughs> Lovely. I can't wait to read it, Ian. Thank you for this. Thank you for coming on. Um, and where can, we, where can we find you on the socials? Uh, uh, at Ian D Stone on Twitter is where I'm really far too often yeah. to be found. <laughs> uh, at Ian D Stone, and I'm uh, I'm chatting away there. Um, yeah, most of the Lovely. time, really. Lovely, Ian. This has been a fucking pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Thanks, Ridge. Produced by Paul Daniels at pauldaniels.tv. 